0: And Jack Eichel, we are getting uh, a player that I think is one of the top players in the league, one of the top centers uh, in the league. He's uh, in the prime uh, of his career as a player who's just turned 25 uh, years old. It addresses uh, a need in our organization. It, it, uh, you know, for me, when you look at what uh, an NHL contending team should look like. He's a really important piece uh, of that. There's only a handful of of guys in the world with game breaking ability when the game gets tight that they can create uh, something out of nothing. And, you know, there's only a handful of guys that, that have that type of skill. And, you know, he's one of them. He's on that short list. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Talks to you once again about hockey and another blockbuster move the Golden Knights have made. Uh, I am Ben Goats, one of your review journal Golden Knights beat writers. Joining me on the other line, as always, is my colleague David Chain to talk about the thing that actually happened. The Golden Knights have done it, they have traded for Jack Eichel. Dave, how did you uh, find out the news this lovely early? Early Thursday morning.
1: Let's just say my phone was going off a lot, and I'm kind of an insomniac uh, for the last couple of years, so it woke me up, and I looked, and sure enough, they decided to uh, finalize it while the East Coast was just waking up, and everybody out here on the uh, western end of the United States was... Uh, still head on pillows so I don't know I don't know if you call it lucky but yeah me me, and Alex Petrangelo and you and everybody else we were sleeping
0: I was 100% snoozing uh, until my, my lovely adorable dog decided to wake me up at uh, 6 in the morning as she is sometimes wont to do and I thought I was going to let her out you know have my fiance uh, deal with uh, her needs and I was like you know going to check my phone just for, for funsies and oh look there were a billion messages. It was lit up like a Christmas tree, and so I figured uh, might as well start the coffee early and get going uh, because we've had so much to do and write about and talk about today because, as I said at the top, Jack Eichel is a golden knight. They have pulled off, uh, yet again, somehow, a uh, absolutely franchise-changing move, move, one of which feels like just belongs uh, in a museum with several of their other franchise-changing moves that they have made over the years. Uh, but we're going to break it down from still many angles on this, uh, of course, emergency edition of the Golden Edge podcast. We talked to you guys yesterday when we thought it might happen. Now that it actually has happened, uh, we're going to dive deeper into this than we ever have before. Uh, before we get to everything today, I want to remind you guys that the Golden Edge podcast is brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. All our stories are going to appear in uh, tomorrow's print section, which I think is going to be a uh, very hopping with hockey content. We also have so many stories going up uh, online, both today, tomorrow, the next couple of days. We have so much planned out uh, to keep you guys informed of uh, this trade and its many tentacles. And of course, uh, we are presented as well by Blue Wire. And if you guys could rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do, podcast, please do this one. We would. Very much appreciated. So, like I said, we've touched on uh, Jack Eichel in previous podcasts, but, you know, didn't fully take the plunge because we didn't know if he was actually going to be a member of this team. Well, now he is. Jack Eichel has been acquired by the Golden Knights along with a 2023 third-round pick for Alex Tuck, Peyton Krebs, a lottery protector, a top 10 protected, I should say, 2022 first In a 2023 second, uh, there are conditions basically attached to all of those picks. Not necessarily worth getting into right now, but just be aware there are scenarios where those picks can be modified a little bit. Uh, Let's start with Jack Eichel, the player, Um, because I think it's important to uh, note why this process has uh, dragged on so long, but the Knights have never kind of been out on Jack Eichel, why they felt it was worth it giving up their top prospect in Peyton Krebs and a guy who obviously has done a lot of good things for the organization and Alex Tuck in addition to uh, picks. Uh, assuming Eichel is healthy, which was going to be our uh, next topic, uh, what makes Jack Eichel worth this kind of pursuit, Dave? And we obviously heard uh, General Manager Colin McCrimmon and Pete DeBoer on this a little bit uh, off the top, but as you guys heard on the show.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of the comparison with Alex Petrangelo that he made. You know, that he liked their center depth. He said, going back to the summer, Kelly McCrimmon, that, you know, he felt this was the deepest group of forwards that they've had. He wasn't necessarily looking for a center. I don't buy that for a second because everybody knew Jack Eichel was available. Everybody knew that Jack Eichel was not going to come back to the Buffalo Sabres. And if you're the Golden Knights and you're trading Marc Andre Fleury, You're trading Ryan Reeves and you're making all these salary cap moves, you know, to one short term, you know, get under the salary cap. But to position yourself to be able to acquire somebody that's got a $10 million, you know, cap hit With, with all that. I mean, he is an elite player. He is the type of guy that, you know, Kelly McCrimmon described as, you know, somebody you go after when they're available. And, you know... It's, a, it's an interesting situation because of the medical and the falling out with Buffalo. Uh, we heard today when he talked to uh, Sportsnet that he'd actually requested a trade, not just this year, but previously in 2020 as well. And that sort of seems to be what started all of the problems between himself and the front office. So, you know, normally, again, it's like all the same conversation that we had with Alex Petrangelo in terms of just. Normally, these players do not become available. And when they do, the Knights always seem to be the ones stepping into the batter's box. And like really, other than Eric
0: Carlson, they haven't really missed on anybody. They, they swing and they, they connect. Right. So some quick information on uh, Jack Eichel for those that are still trying to get to know him. Uh, he was the second overall pick. In 2015, out of Boston University, I actually saw him uh, play that NCAA tournament. He looked like he was playing at a different speed than everyone else. Uh, of course, the first overall pick in the uh, 2015 NHL draft uh, was this guy named Connor McDavid. Ever heard of him? Uh, but Eichel was a very fine uh, second overall pick as well. Uh, he is 25 years old. He just turned 25 um, basically like about you know a week ago on October 28th. Uh, he has 355 points in 375 NHL games, so close to a point-a-game player. Um, his last full season in 2019-20, uh, he had 78 points in 68 games, finished 8th in the Hart Trophy voting, and that season Basically ended Gerard Glant's Golden Knights career. Because for those people that remember the game, Gerard Glant's last game was in Buffalo. It's a tied game, two to two in the third period. And Jack Eichel basically goes coast to coast, scores on Marc-Andre Fleury, uh Sabres end up getting an empty netter, I believe, winning four-two, and Gerard Glant is fired literally the next morning. And uh that play sticks in my head, Dave, because I think that play represents why this pursuit was worth it for the Knights because there's just very few guys that can do what Jack Eichel uh, can do when he's healthy. And like I said, that was one example where he is one of those rare guys that can take what seems like a benign play, go all the way across the ice scores, completely turn a game on its head. And uh, like I said, the Knights are still feeling the impact of uh, His speed there. Yeah, so if you go back and look in the playoffs the last couple of years,
1: you know, what's happened? Golden Knights haven't been able to score in the power play. Golden Knights haven't been able to break down teams, you know, that focus on defense and hard to play against, clog up the neutral zone. And it takes sometimes having, you know, an individual moment of brilliance and not many guys can do it. As Kelly McCrimmon pointed out, when you start to look at the recent Stanley Cup champions, they all have elite number one franchise centers. You know, whether it's Braden Point or I guess Stamco's or however you want to look at, you know, Tampa Bay, whether it's Malkin and Crosby, like y- you don't win without an elite center for the most part. In the Western Conference, the Golden Knights are going to have to get through, you know, in most years, probably Colorado which Nathan McKinnon's not going anywhere. So if you're going to match up, if you're going to present problems and pose a threat to other teams, you know, in, in the same way you needed somebody like Jack Eichel. You know, th- this is, uh, you know, Kelly McCrimmon and and everybody you talk to, Pete DeBoer, any scouts, like what, you know, that's the the category of player. Win healthy, win 100%. You know that that the Golden Knights have acquired. Like this is an elite talent. This is somebody that, like you mentioned, if if he was in any other draft, would have been number one overall. Talking about as a generational franchise type player. You know all those sorts of things. Again, these these are players that are you know are rarely available. It's 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 a rarefied air. Like this is like the one percent of the one percent really. You know within the league. You know that you're talking about, uh, his numbers stack up with anybody you know, more than a point-of-game player. And and like you said, as good as somebody like Mark Stone is, as good as somebody like Pacioretty is, they're not going to take the puck and go through people and make a defenseman like Alex Petrangelo say, oh boy, the way that Nathan McKinnon does and the way that Jack Eichel can. And the Golden Knights have been missing that you know, dynamic offensive force up front. It's the one hole that they've had. And this fills it. And not only does it fill it, but they've effectively done it without taking anybody out of the lineup. Peyton Krebs is playing, yes. But I think he was, you know, maybe a little ahead of schedule. And I think he was maybe a year away. And I think the Sabres probably showed that by sending him down to the AHL right away and saying we're going to monitor his development and make sure that he's ready and not rush him. The Golden, you know, Alex Tuck was on long-term IR, and and yes, he's a key player when he's in the lineup, but he wasn't in the lineup this year, and they knew he wasn't, and they were going forward and making plans without him. So for Kelly McCrimmon to to be able to pull this trade off to protect that first round pick in case they faceplant you know with all these guys injured and and if they can't get him back uh, I, I don't see, I, I don't see the the downside in all of this except for the risk of of Jack Eichel's health and whether he can return to 100% which now that is a major major question mark and a major risk
0: Well, thank you for the easy transition, Dave, because let's talk about uh, the injury that Jack Eichel has suffered that basically led to him being available and how it's going to get treated. Uh, For those that don't know, Eichel has not played since March because he has a herniated disc in his neck. Uh, One of the main reasons for kind of the splintering of his relationship with the Sabres is that they disagreed on how to handle the injury. Uh, Eichel wanted and will now get a artificial disc replacement surgery, uh, which has never been performed on a hockey player before, and from my understanding, I actually just got off the uh, phone with uh, a doctor. Uh, it has been performed on very few high level uh, athletes before. The most prominent um, person I've seen mentioned is a uh, UFC's Chris Weidman. Other than that, this is not um, that common at the higher highest levels of sport. Um, now, uh, Kelly McCrimmon said, you know, Eichel is expected to have a surgery soon, and he's comfortable with it because basically, you know, Eichel's camp has spent months obviously researching this, studying this, and obviously they want what's best uh, for Jack Eichel, which obviously the Knights want too. They want him close to 100% as possible so we can be uh, the player we just described. Now, the Sabres wanted Eichel to get a disc fusion surgery. Which has been performed on higher level athletes before, uh, but from my uh, understanding, it is more likely that someone who has disc fusion surgery will need additional surgeries down the road. And we're talking about uh, a neck here, not necessarily just someone's knee or ankle or something. Uh, anytime you bring up, you know, the neck and multiple surgeries, uh, I think you can have some sympathy. For why Eichel potentially didn't want to go down that road. Uh, but the disc fusion surgery, from what I understand is a little bit more improvement and thus maybe more of the default answer for a lot of doctors. It's very common, um, from what I understand, in the NFL. Uh, hopefully, I'll give you guys a full explainer of all this stuff at revisional.com. so stay tuned uh, there. Uh, the recovery timeline, because it has not been done on a hockey player before, is a little bit vague. McCrimmon gave the timeline of between three to five months uh, today. So what do you make of the Knights taking on uh, the risk in being, you know, surgery pioneers here, Dave? And what do we think, you know, about Eichel potentially getting back to 100% himself again, either in the long term or even, you know, potentially if he comes back at all this season?
1: Well, I'm going to kind of go down the Kelly McCrimmon road here and say that none of us in this room are expert enough on this subject to, you know, have an opinion on it, which I thought was kind of funny the way that he, the way that he phrased that. But I mean, I I think the Knight's stance on all this and it, it also felt a little bit of like a dig at, at Buffalo, kind of the way he was, you know, he said like, wouldn't you, you know, wouldn't you want what's best for him? Like, they're going to, they, Kelly McCrimmon's company line and what he was, you know, very adamant about getting across was they're deferring to the medical people and the people that Jack Eichel and his camp, you know, his agent Paperson, you know, have gone to and have recommended and, you know, will ultimately perform the surgery and all of this. And the Gold Knights, I guess, have been involved. You know, Kelly McCrimmon said it's obviously limited. He wasn't their player, uh, they were aware of some of the medicals. They'll be, you know, overseeing the rehabilitation and, you know, when he's cleared for play and all that. But uh, from Kelly McCrimmon's standpoint, from the Golden Knights' standpoint, I, I think they're basically kind of saying, okay, you know, we've seen all of this information. They've presented all of these different things that say, you know, this ADR is the proper surgery, the procedure that will best. You know, enable Jack Eichel to one get back to playing and at his peak, and then two be able to, you know, enjoy his life after his career. And and so, uh, you know, I'm going to kind of take the same the same route here. Like, oh, my dad is the doctor. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to play try to play doctor here. Um, But I will say that I think anytime you're dealing with a neck, anytime you're dealing with a surgery, and you know, all those sorts of things, it, it, it definitely. I may be wrong here. It feels like we've heard stories over the years of of that maybe not working out as well as an athlete is hoped. And so, in that case, I, I I think it's a big risk. You know, obviously, Alex Tuck is you know a key player. Peyton Krebs is somebody that, you know, you could have another Nick Suzuki on your hands potentially if he develops into you know what what the knights had touted him, you know, coming into this year as. Having that it factor and, and all that sort of stuff, so you know, again, it's a major gamble that the Knights are taking here that Jack Eichel will come good, you know. But I think if you're going to take the risk, if you're gonna if you're gonna you know go all in here for a Stanley Cup, I, I think I think it's a pretty good deal from their perspective to to try to get it, you know, try to get it done.
0: Yeah, so uh, if we go by Kelly McCrubbin's timeline, three months would put Eichel around the beginning of February. Obviously, that's right around when the Olympic break starts. And Eichel uh, would probably be considered Team USA's number two center behind Toronto's Austin Matthews if he was healthy. Obviously, the odds seem pretty slim that, A, he would have to make it at the very beginning of his recovery timeline, and, uh, B, the Knights would have to allow him to go all the way uh, to the Olympics, which seems unlikely. Um, five months, we're talking about beginning of April, which would be uh, the beginning of the last month of the regular season, the playoffs start beginning of May. So there's a lot of wiggle room there. But Sir Eichel was on uh, you know, ESPN today and said his goal is to be back around three months. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, let's go more into uh, the cost of what it took to bring Eichel, who, as we've talked about, is just an incredibly, incredibly talented player, but one with significant injury uh, questions to Las Vegas. Um, So Tuck, Krebs, uh, a first and a second, with a third going uh, back to the Knights. Were you surprised at all, based on what we had been hearing, what we had been discussing, what we had been talking about, that ultimately this was the package that sealed uh, the deal for the Knights? A little bit because one of the
1: parameters that I had heard had an extra player in there involved.
0: I'll keep the names out
1: at this point that I had heard. Um, I maybe even have mentioned them in the story, but just for the sake of this, I won't. I won't say so. So for for that fact, for the fact that if it works out the way the Knights want it to work out, the first round pick is going to be, you know, as my friends and dad like to say, at the butt end of the first round. Um, like it, you know, it's not like it's going to be a high pick and if they come back and, and everybody's healthy and they get things turned around and win the division and, you know, everything that they were expected to do, you know, then it's in the twenties or thirties. So, you know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a huge, you know, piece in that regard that you're giving up. And then, you know, what a second round pick that might be, you know, again, toward the end of the second round, um it it feels again like if that's all that the knights had to do you know yeah and they they should yeah you know run to the table and do it i i i'm almost more curious to know if then if that
0: was the knights final offer and if they would have gone any higher on it right so we talked about yesterday um that right as we were recording uh kevin weeks of espn and nhl network kind of put out a report about a potential calgary offer which we thought was a lot, and then immediately that reported Calgary offer got walked back from numerous places, including actually Buffalo GM Kevin Adams, today who said basically that wasn't on the table. Uh, Specifically what Adams is talking about is the fact that Matthew Kachuk, who is a really top good top-line player for the Flames, 23 years old, was uh, reported by Weeks to be part of a potential Calgary package. Adams said that was uh, not the case. Um, It is interesting to me that I feel like Most of the reaction this morning has been, you know, the Knights didn't uh, give up that much for Eichel. But I feel like it's being colored by the fact that, uh, you know, we got this potential Calgary package thrown out that everyone was like, wow, like that's so much. Oh my gosh, the Flames would be giving up a lot. And so when the fact that uh, Eichel didn't actually get traded for that much, everyone's like, oh, well, the Knights didn't actually give up that much compared to what we thought we were going to give up. Um, But ultimately, What uh, Kevin Adams has been saying he's been asking for all along is the equivalent of uh, four first-round picks as like assets, let's say. And when you go through it, you've got... Obviously, the Knights are giving up a first-round pick. They're giving up Krebs, a former first-round pick. So that's two. Tuck is also a former uh, first-round pick. That's three. You could even bump Tuck up more than just valuing him as a first because he's under contract at a very reasonable rate for a long time and then the Knights are giving up a second too so it is pretty close to Buffalo's original asking price they didn't actually give the Knights um, that steep a discount but it was interesting I think to hear as you know you were kind of touching on earlier Dave there seems to be a lot of NHL teams that just don't have the stomach to even do what it takes for uh, the Knights to do, which was, you know, offering a good but not, you know, crazy outlandish package that was like blowing everyone's minds for Jack Eichel. They just basically met and or went a little bit under the asking price and no one else else was willing to do it. And I think that speaks to kind of the aggressiveness uh, that this front office has had and just the willingness to take risk like this in a league that, oftentimes does not seem willing to take any risks or stick its neck out at all. Um, a lot of these general managers.
1: I'll go back to the story that I wrote at the start of the year and kind of, <clears throat> you know, trying to articulate maybe the fans feeling on this. And and I think maybe the one thing that I maybe maybe didn't come across as well as I had hoped is you know we have something that George McPhee said, and you know Kelly McF- or Kelly McCrimmon said to me, you know as well as is, is their fans as well. You know they they want this team to win, and you know the irony in a lot of cases of trading Mark Andre Fleury and trading Ryan Reeves and you know doing this move now to acquire you know Jack Eichel. It's for the fans, like they're trying to win a Stanley Cup for the fans. And in some ways the fans at least, you know, felt like over the off season, we're kind of rejecting that. I'm, I'll be very curious to see sort of the reaction, you know, when they come home, even though, you know, Jack Eichel isn't in the lineup, just, you know, whether there's a spark, whether there's, you know, a little bit more, you know, excitement that, that comes with it. But, but again, yeah, to your point, Ben, you know, the one thing that you can never say or or you can't fault this team for is, is going for it. And there are other teams that won't do it. And they're either too conservative, you know, too chicken bleep, you know, however you want to say it. And and the Knights, no matter what, man, they, they'll throw their hat in the ring. And I, as hard as that is for some, some fans and as hard as it is, you know, Alex Petrangelo mentioned this to, you know, say goodbye. Like, The fact that they're trying to win and and they're willing to do, you know, the things that it takes, you know, I'll go back to something Mike McKenna said when when I interviewed him for that story and, you know, that conversation. He's played on a lot of teams. He said that, you know, we'll try to win the right way. And if they happen to win a Stanley Cup, then, you know, so be it. But if you want to win... A title, you got to play the game and the Knights are willing and they've shown that
0: that they'll play the game. Right. They absolutely will. And let's talk about what playing the game might end up meaning for them as well, because we also have to go into the weeds a little bit and explain how this messes uh, with the Knights salary cap. Uh, now, we have talked on uh, our previous shows about, you know, the fact that a uh, potential Jack Eichel move could obviously be beneficial for the Knights in the long term because they get one of the best players um, in hockey, or at least the most talented players in hockey. But we weren't sure how it was going to impact them in the short term because it could result in pieces going the other way. Now, for now, the only short-term piece that the Knights are losing out of their lineup is Peyton Krebs. Obviously, Alex Tuck was not currently in the lineup Uh, because he is recovering from off-season shoulder surgery. Um, But that doesn't mean that kind of subtractions are over for the Golden Knights. So Eichel makes $10 million against the cap this season, and for four additional seasons afterward, uh, he is now the Knights' highest-paid player. He's actually the highest-paid player in team history, surpassing Mark Stone. And the Knights now have a total salary cap charge of ninety-one point eight seven million dollars, um, so that is basically a little bit more than ten million dollars over the eighty-one and a half million dollar limit, and they are allowed to be over right now because Stone, Pachareddy, and Eichel are all on long-term injured reserve. But if and when those guys get healthy and are able to return to the lineup, that means the Knights will have to get salary cap compliant again and get back down to that eighty-one. And a half million dollar figure, which means we're talking about potentially, you know, up to 10 million dollars worth of players coming off the roster. Um, there are some guys like, you know, Ben Hutton, who was signed off the uh, street recently, and Michael Amadio, who was picked up off waivers. Um, they could be waived again to get their cap hits off. A Jake Lecision and Jonas you know, Rombierg, who are on the roster right now because they need to, you know, have some forwards at this point play for the Knights, they could be set back. To Henderson. Um, But we're still talking potentially um, at least a major piece, more likely two, will need to go off the books at some point um, for Eichel to play this regular season. Which, if he returns in that three to five month timeline, and based off his comments on ESPN today, he is shooting for more of the three month version. um, You know, is there any scenario where the Knights don't? have to get rid of people. I mean, if salary cap guru
1: Andrew Gurner is able to, you know, perform his yoga and twist and contort and all that sort of stuff to make it work, uh, you know, some of this is going to, I think, depend on long-term IR and these injuries and where they can balance them, who comes back when, and, you know, what they have to do to shuffle things around. You know, as far as that goes, I mean, unfortunately, you know, you can't predict or foresee somebody else getting hurt along the way. You know, the way things are going right now, I mean, knock on wood, I guess if you're, you know, Pete DeBoer and the and the guys in that locker room, but you don't know if somebody's going to take another puck in the foot, and the, the arm, like, I mean, you know, they haven't – they've barely gotten out of a game – you know, without some kind of damage at this point. So to say that, you know, six weeks from now, when William Carlson and, you know, four weeks from now or whatever, when Max Pacioretty or, like, you know, these guys are ready to come up, there might be somebody else hurt. So as much as we can look at it and predict and go, you know, boy, they got a lot of work to do. Like, yeah, they do. But, you know, they don't know what's going to happen at that point. And, you know, if there's... You know, if it comes to it and you have to, like, look at somebody on the roster, you know, well, then you're probably looking at an expiring contract, you know, maybe a Braden McNabb, uh, maybe a Riley Smith. If you need, you know, a bigger chunk of money, um, I, I'm i just throwing this out. I'm just, I don't know anything, but, like, you know, I don't know if the Danoff is, you know, somebody that they feel like long term is going to fit. and. You know, maybe his five million, you know, is something that they can flip. But you know, the hard part is everybody on the other side knows that the knights are going to be handcuffed. Uh, I think they can kind of, you know, hold them, you know, to the fire a little bit in terms of an ask um, and what they would want in return for some of these things. You know, to, to facilitate it and get the knights out of uh, out of cap jail. I believe our friend uh, Danny Webster called it. So. Um, It'll be interesting to see, uh, but that's why they get paid the big bucks and and why, you know, you, you can't necessarily predict it right now when, you know, a few weeks from now, it could be a completely different situation, you know, injury-wise or, or something else.
0: Right, which I think it makes sense that, uh you know, Kelly McCrimmon and the Knights haven't made any moves before they've necessarily had to. They've kept... You know, all the expiring contracts, like you mentioned, Riley Smith, Braden McNabb on the roster for now, because as you said, who knows, maybe someone else ends up going on long-term injured reserve and this becomes somewhat of a moot point. Um, But at some point it is going to kind of rear its head now and in the future, because even looking ahead to next year, the Knights already have $78.4 million committed to uh, 16 players next season. Um, So Pain is coming uh, either, like I said, this season or next season. Riley Smith and Braden McNabb, as I mentioned, are unrestricted free agents. Uh, Nicholas Watt, Keegan Colasar, and Nick Hague are restricted free agents. So none of them are included in that $78.4 million figure. Uh, I just said, so the Knights are going to really have to squeeze and or send some other guys out to get some of those guys uh, back in the picture. Um, The Knights' kind of top-heavy approach in terms of roster construction, and I wrote about this uh, for uh, tomorrow's paper. You guys can read it online now. Uh, Basically makes them very similar to the Toronto Maple Leafs, who have the most expensive Big Four in the NHL, and Austin Matthews, John Tavares, uh, Mitch Marner, and William Nylander. The second most expensive Big Four in the NHL is now the Golden Knights, with Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, Alex Petrangelo, and Max Pacioretty. Um, which is interesting because, you know, Dave, we've heard for years now this team kind of brag about its depth, say we win with our depth. I mean, we've talked about Alex Tuck. I mean, he was the, the X factor on the third line that always seemed to perform really well in the postseason because, you know, third pair defensemen just couldn't keep up with him. Now it seems like going forward, and we'll see how much this reigns through this year, because maybe they won't have to make some of the subtractions that it looks like they might have to right now. But for sure, it'll be true going forward that this is going to be a team that's going to have to win with its stars compared to its depth. Uh, you know, What do you, I guess, just kind of think about overall this shift in approach from a team that once had kind of a unified identity to, you know, a team that's going to be lifted by a, a few key guys.
1: I mean, it's kind of like the Rams, you know, in the in the NFL, like, just trade all your draft picks. They don't matter because they're unpredictable and you don't know what you're getting. And you'd rather have the guy that you, you know, is established and you know what he can do and has a track record. I mean, I guess if you win a Stanley Cup with that philosophy, you know, if the Rams win, you know, an NFL title, like, yeah, it's worth it. You know, all you need is really one title. that makes it all worth it. Um, I remember a few years ago, I think I've talked about this before, but I remember asking George McPhee about that a little bit. And I used the word, you know, socialist and, and sort of a socialist approach that they seem to have um, early on. And, you know, he joked me like, oh, you know, that's a bad word around Canadians. But, you know... In truth, George McPhee and I think it was, I don't remember if Kelly McCrimmon made this comment either. I don't think he did, but you know, George McPhee had said early on that that their philosophy or one of the things they were doing in terms of their roster building and you know construction of the team was to acquire as many good players as they could. And, you know, maybe that was the expansion team's philosophy. And maybe that was what they felt like you know, was going to be the best, you know, approach early on was to, you know, do it a little more spread out democratic, you know, not have one or two guys, or in this case, four guys making, you know, a massive percentage of the money. You know, you have more depth, you had more guys at five or 6 million, as opposed to one or two at like eight or nine. And somewhere along the way, whether it was like the patch ready trade um, definitely with the Mark Stone trade, you know, and going forward from there, like they, they just, there was a philosophy shift and a decision in those walls. And, and if you believe what Kelly McCrimmon said, you know, today it's that they identified that they couldn't do it that way. It wasn't going to work, That you need to have front end elite talent. You need a franchise number one center like Jack Eichel. You need you know, a number one defenseman like Alex Petrangelo and you need great goaltending, which they feel like they have in Robin Leonard. Uh, it, that wasn't sort of the way that they went about it to begin with. And, you know, somewhere in all of that, they said talent wins and and you need it to get over the hump. And And so they've really sold out the last few years to make sure that they have what they feel like is the most talented roster in the league. And, you know, again, it's, it's a Stanley cup or bust attitude. And that's the only way, you know, that this is all going to be measured. If they win, it was worth it. And if they continue to struggle and slog along and, you know, not get over the the hump at the semifinal round, you know, then, then the questions and, you know, the hard looks need to be taken at the front office and, you know, maybe at that point, changes need to be made. We'll see.
0: We'll definitely see how this will all play out. Obviously, uh, it's going to take a while for Eichel to get back on the ice. Once again, recovery timeline is about three to five months. But obviously, the Knights will still be playing in the meantime. And Dave and I actually have to go because we're about to watch the Golden Knights play the Ottawa Senators because this also just so happened to fall during a game day. Uh, so it's going to be a very full day uh, for the most of us. Both of us, but I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this chat about Jack Eichel, who he is, what he's going to bring to the Knights, the cost it took to get him in the short term, and potentially the long term as well. Uh, that's going to do it for the edition of the Golden Edge Podcast. As a reminder, we are brought to you by the Las Vegas Review Journal. We are presented by Blue Wire. Uh, also, please rate, review, subscribe, whatever you podcast. Due to this one, we'd very much appreciate it. I'm Ben Goetz. He's David Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast talk to you guys again real soon.